the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Today we celebrate the Holy Fathers of the Fourth Ecumenical Council, which proclaimed and verified that Christ definitely has two natures, human and divine, not one divine nature. So we celebrate their efforts that we inherit that great faith. Without the fathers and the mothers of the church that brought us to this point, we don't have what we have. They fought the fights. They battled uh, the heresies. And so today we stand with great gratitude for the fathers of the Fourth Ecumenical Council as well as the fathers uh, and mothers of the church that have delivered the faith to us. That we too may be faithful. We too may carry it on. It's beautiful yesterday, we were at a wedding, my grandson, which is exciting, and somebody said, that's an interesting service. I said, yes, yeah, a thousand years old. <laughs> I married my children that way, and I married my grandchildren that way, and I'll marry my great-grandchildren that way, right? And their children, and their children, and their children. What a beautiful thing. The faith of the fathers passed down. What a beautiful thing. We are so blessed by that. So blessed by that. You know, it was interesting because when we moved, when we first developed the church back in the early 70s, one of the promises made was that we would have a place that we would see our children's children grow up in the faith. Well, our children's children, 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 children grow up in the faith. We wouldn't see it wavering. We wouldn't see it changing. We see this incredible stability. Thank you, holy fathers and mothers of the great Orthodox faith. So today, the gospel text, the Lord says to us, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid, nor do men light a lamp and put it under a bushel but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You are the light of the world. You, you, individually, corporately, are the light of the world. If you're not in Christ living in the world, the world has no light. It may think it has light. It has no light. You are the light of the world. We have to take the responsibility when we hear this. You're the light of the world. So it's an incredible responsibility that the Lord gave to his disciples and to us. You are the light of the world. I just want to share a few things on this uh, thought that light needs to first be an internal light. You know, we need that light to be internal for the light which shines internally will allow that light to shine effectively externally. If it doesn't shine internally, it will not effectively shine externally. So we have, in orthodoxy, we've got the externals. We've got them. 
We've got bows. We've got crossing ourselves. We've got icons. We've got fasting. We've got almsgiving. We've got prayer. We've got liturgy. We've got standing in liturgy. We've got long services. We've got the externals. We're not lacking for externals. And, and it's endless. And by the way, you can't do it all. You can't do it all. And if you do it all and you think you're doing well, you've fallen because you're prideful. So we have the externals. The issue for me, and I will say this for me personally, is that the light must not shine externally first. It must shine internally first. I must fight to have that light shine internally. And that then the things that I do externally will be a, a, a reflection of that internal light. That those externals will be, in a sense, a means to an end. A means that that light internally can shine more brightly. When I come to venerate the icon of Christ, I come to the light that he may illumine me internally. When I come to the mother of God who is the bearer of the light, I pray through her prayers, I would be illumined internally. That that internal effort becomes then our, our focus as children of the light. We have incredible opportunities to practice externals and allow those externals to help us, help that light shine internally. But the effort, first and foremost, must be internal practice, drawing into Christ. We are in Christ. The light of the world is in us. What a powerful thing. Uh, Life is based not on the externals, but on a relationship with Christ. Being in Christ is that spot that we must focus on. I'm in Christ. Christ is in me. The kingdom is here. The kingdom is in me. Remember one time uh, we were being taught about uh, the iconostas. You know, we look at the iconostas up here, and it's very beautiful. And I remember, I think it was Father Thomas Hopkins said, that's a reflection of what's in you. That's a mirror. Heaven is in you. You're looking at what's in you. That light is in you. What a powerful thing to, to understand, that the kingdom of heaven is in us. If, if, heaven, if Christ is in heaven and we're in Christ, we're in heaven. With the angels and the saints, and that heaven is in us. So we have to understand that this, this is a work for us, an important work for us, that internal effort to, to develop that light inside us. If we're developing that light, you will find in yourself peace and joy. Peace and joy. In fact, that, I would say this, that that is the barometer to say to you if you're walking in the light internally. Do you have peace? you have joy, then you're in the light. You know, Mother Victoria, I've said this before, and I'll encourage you in this too. Mother Victoria showed, told me years ago to seek peace, and that's exactly what I do. I, if I have it, I keep it. If I lose it, I go find it. Because what I understand it to be is that's Christ in me. 
If I am moving away from that, that means I'm moving away from Christ. If I'm moving away from that joy and peace, I'm moving away from Christ. So I must seek it, find it. Is it something I'm thinking about that's taking me away? It's something I'm saying that's taking me away. It's something that I'm doing that's taking me away. I need to make the adjustment. Because that peace and joy in Christ, in me, is that light that shines. And we need to pursue it, pursue it aggressively. In that place also is repentance and humility. When the light of Christ shines in you, it doesn't just shine neutrally. <laughs> it shines brightly. And it shows you sometimes the things in you that you need to deal with. And you can repent there. You can find humility. You can rest there. You know, it's a bit like the doctor going in to and examine you. You know, you know you're not quite well. And the doctor does an examination and comes out and says, oh, you've got this, and you can do this to get better. Well, when that light shines in us and it, dis it discloses some kind of sin or, or struggle, God says, you can repent and be better. What a joy. Let the light shine deeply in you so you can be healed, be made well. You know, repentance, sometimes I see it in your faces when I say repentance, you kind of, Ugh. it's not a comfortable word. It's the word that, that precedes healing. It's the word that precedes healing. We need to take and understand that and live in that beautiful humility of repentance. So those places in us are very important for us. The epistle that follows this text is very interesting to me because I think it helps us understand something about pursuing the light. In the epistle of, to, of St. Paul to his beloved son, Titus, spiritual son, Titus, he says, apply he says, be careful to apply themselves to good deeds. These are excellent and profitable men, but avoid stupid controversies, genealogies, etc. At the end of the text, he says, to apply themselves to good deeds and to avoid, again, the things that are unprofitable. So these two words are very interesting to me. Apply and avoid. We need to apply ourselves to the good and avoid the bad. Apply ourselves to virtue and flee the vices. Let me share with you, because I was very profoundly affected by Father John Ron's homily a couple of weeks ago. So I asked him to send me the quote that affected me. So I'll just read it. So pay attention. It's important. Why, it may be said, who is there that is not against us? This is St. John Chrysostom. Why the world is against us, both kings and peoples, both relations and countrymen? Yet these that be against us, so far as they from thwarting at us at all, that even without their will they become to us causes of crowns and precursors of countless blessings, in that God's wisdom turns their plots into our salvation and into our glory. 
So how really is no one against us? But against the faithful who take good heed unto God's law, neither man nor devil nor anything besides can stand. For if you take away his money, you have become the precursor of a reward for him. If you speak ill of him, by the evil report, he gains fresh luster in God's sight. If you cast him out into starvation, the more will his glory be and his reward. If what seems that the most severe stroke of all, you give him over to death, you are twining a crown of martyrdom for him. What then is equivalent to this way of life, being that against which nothing can be done? That's the statement that affected me. In this life as Christians, nothing can be done against you. Does that affect you? Nothing. How many things? Zero. Father Richard used to go zero minus. Zero. Nothing can be done to affect you. Nothing can be done against you. Wow. But even that they may seem to devise mischief are no less the service to him than their benefactors. So even those that, that try to thwart us become our benefactors. You know why this is so important? Because we know this, but we don't practice, I don't practice this internally, that God loves me and that everything that happens in my life is for my good and for my salvation. Even if evil is done against me, it can be turned toward good. That's, that's amazing. That's wonderful news. Nothing can be done against you. I'm really excited about this, as you can tell. Get excited about this. Nothing can be done against you. Everything works for good because we have a loving God who desires nothing but our salvation. Nothing but our salvation. Even the stuff that's evil that's done against us, that's really, really not in a sense of his will, can be turned for good. All of it is good. All of it is good for us. What an incredible thing. So let me share with you just kind of a practice that I think would help us all. So with this in mind, that God is good and loves us and does everything for our salvation, then we need to apply ourselves to something and avoid something else. We need to apply ourselves to this. No, we need to avoid this. Asking in our life, why? The question, why? Why did that person hurt me? Why did that uh, accusation come at me? Why did I lose this or that? Why, why, why? Don't ask that question. Here's the question should be asked. Lord, how should I respond virtuously to this? That's what we apply ourselves to. How should I respond virtuously to this? So let me give you three examples. One, uh, speaking with a priest. Um, you know how at, at Lent we do forgiveness. And at the, on Forgiveness Sunday, you know, beginning of Lent, we ask forgiveness and this priest had a uh, mishap with a person uh, and uh, emailed them. 
please forgive me a sinner. And the email came back to this priest, you're vain and unrighteous. <laughs> and the priest had a, had, a, had a choice to make. You, you feel the choice, don't you? How could this person do this? I was so good and right here. God condemn him. No. That's the emotional energy you have. You can turn emotional energy into spiritual energy. The spiritual energy that the, the path the priest took was to take that accusation and make that his Lent. I remember speaking to him. He said at the end of Lent, he says, guess what? At the end of Lent, I found that I was vain and unrighteous. <laughs> it became a means to his repentance. It became a gift. The accusation became a gift. It became a crown. Wow. Nothing could be done against us. We could turn all things for good. Start looking at that. Go after that. It's a powerful way to live. Okay, so another situation. Uh, somebody hurts you. Somebody offends you. And they keep offending you. And you know it ain't getting any better. So my advice, advice given to me in one situation was you need to love them. Love them? I said, I do love them. And he said, this is very important. He said, love them more. You know, St. John of Kronstadt says, it's very interesting. He goes through this type place where it's hard to love. He says, at the end of this statement, he says, force yourself to love. Step into it. Lean into it. Love. Love. Love more. Love more. And with that was interesting. Without confronting that circumstance, in a year and a half, that was completely healed. So the spiritual energy was turned to love. See, that kind of hurt. You can go a lot of places with hurt that aren't good and profitable, but you can turn to love and it can be a crown and a blessing. And finally, this last one. Because uh, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about my, our beloved Gail, who had a great surgery, good uh, in, in recovery now, uh, dealing with a little bit of pain. Um, and, um, but they got all the cancer. Everything's looking really good right now, so thanks be to God. So I'll tell the story on her since he's not here. Don't tell her I told you because she'll be very upset at me. And you know Gail. You don't want Gail to be upset at you. So Gail has been through a lot. We've been through a lot. So just so much seemed to be, so much loss, so much struggle, the loss of her husband, and now this whole struggle she's going through. I told her, I said, Gail, there's so many blessings in your life. I want you to get a little book, and I want you to write down five Thanksgivings a day, five Thanksgivings a day. 
And I talked to her the other day, and she says, Father Nicholas, I have 125 Thanksgivings, and I'm still counting. Every day I write down five things I'm thankful for. 125. You know, when we lose something, we should turn our eyes to what we have and thank God. You know, we can focus on loss very quickly. And that loss can take us to very dark, despairing places. But we can also turn around and see the hundreds, hundreds. She can write down 125. You guys can write down a lot more. 125. Look at the good things God's done. Write them down. Get a book called Thanksgivings. And when you're a little distressed, read it. You'll be amazed at how good God is to you. Be amazed at how good God is to you. So nothing can be done against us. We can turn all our little distresses into spiritual joys. Whether it's simply an accusation that we turn to our own repentance, if it's a hurt that we turn to loving the person more, stretching ourselves more, or a loss that brings us to thanksgivings to God. So what a blessed life we have, beloved. What a blessed life. I feel like an invincible soldier. Nothing can be done against us. We just have to fight to turn all things to good. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.